everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Let's get into the word. You ready? Have you been enjoying this series, God Wrote a Book? Well, this is our third message. Next week, we conclude this series, and everybody said, aww, because you loved it so much. Um, I have really been enjoying this series, and we've been learning our Bible. We've been learning um, uh, why it was written and how it can apply to our lives. And the goal of this series is really, I want you to, uh, to learn it, love it, and live it. Learn it, love it, and live it. And I believe this is the most important series that we could do right now for the season we find ourselves in as a church and for everything that is going on within our world and culture. Um, I believe that this isn't just a normal book. It's a book of life. It's a book of truth. It's a book that we can build our lives upon, right? Jesus told us, and we've been talking about that. There's going to be storms that come, right? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But if we have our lives built on this, we're going to outlast. We're going to outlast the storms of life. And this is a book that is just as relevant today as it was when it was written thousands of years ago because the Bible deals with timeless questions, doesn't it? Timeless questions such as, Who are we? Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? And how should we live? And that's what the Bible talks about. And so I can't think of any more important questions than these uh, to go to. And this is our owner's manual. Someone say owner's manual. It's our owner's manual for life. You got to know the manual in order to put your life together, in order to build a marriage and build a family and build a career the right way. You got to go to the owner's manual. Today, I want to continue in our teaching about the Bible with a message titled, Why the Bible Can Be Trusted. Why the Bible Can Be Trusted. We definitely live in a generation where we are confronted with the Bible not being true. Okay? Some say it's not accurate. Parts of it are good and true, but parts of it are not. Others in higher education say our knowledge shows it's inaccurate. Right? Modern-day theologians have tried to debunk it. Humanists have rejected the entire Bible, said it's false, and even harmful to those who read it. But I want you to know, church, that all of these are lies of the enemy. This is the all-inspired word of God. God wrote a book for you and I, and it's just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Can I get a good amen right there? Now, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Look at this. All scripture. Does all mean all in Indiana? Okay. All scripture is what? It's God-breathed. And it's useful. What what, what do you mean it's useful? What for? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and I, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You got a good work to do. Do you know that, church? You got a work to do. Someone's saying, well, that's your job, pastor. No, we have a work to do, church. 
We are the church, and we are called to reach those outside these walls with the message of hope and grace found in Jesus Christ. And you and I are called to good works. And how we can allow those good works to come out in our life is by lining up with this word, knowing that it's useful. For what? For teaching, rebuking, correct? And it almost sounds like the word of God does like a surgery to you, right? It almost sounds like when you hear the word, and in, and in scripture, it says it's, it, one of the analogies is the word of God is sharp, like a two-edged sword that penetrates our soul and judges our thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. It sounds like when you allow this word into your life, it can cut away some things that shouldn't be there. It can cut away some tendencies of the flesh. It can cut away some bad attitude that you had with your wife yesterday. Yes. Who am I talking to? Somebody's pointing over there. Don't point. Huh? That's what the word does. And we need the word every day. Someone say every day. Every day. See, we have wrongly believed that we're getting the word, Pastor, on Sunday, that you're giving us the word. Yes, I am, but we can't live just on one helping of the word on a Sunday and then decide to eat the next Sunday. Would you do that in the natural? Would you just eat one day and then seven days later, I'll eat again? No, you're eating three meals and some of you two snacks in between. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness to all my snackers? I love y'all. Praise God. Praise God for it. But we need it every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And I love that because we need fresh bread every day to fight the battle that we're going to fight today. I don't need the bread from yesterday. I need daily bread. And God said, I'll give you daily bread. If you open it, I got a word for you for the battles for the devil that you're fighting today. How many fighting some devils right now? Come on, if you don't have your hand up, you lying. Come on now. But God said, I'll give you fresh bread. Fresh bread. Nobody likes day-old bread. Fresh bread. So my goal for you today is, is to show you that the Bible can be fully trusted. Someone say trusted. Um, there's a word in theology called apologetics, Okay. And uh, apologetics is simply the defense of Christianity. And there are a lot of great apologetics teachers out there that mine out the word of God to prove why it's accurate. And, um, and so apologetics basically defends and, and really builds the case of why the Bible is accurate and 100% true, Okay. So to put it in modern-day language, it basically is debunking the fake news. Come on, somebody. It's debunking the fake news. So if you love research, how many love research in here and love to find facts to prove your point and to have healthy arguments with your spouse or a friend? <laughs> Some of you love to argue, right? How many love those investigation shows, like when they're trying to solve a murder or they're trying to solve a, a crime that happened, right? And you're all in, you're 10 minutes into it. And you're like, she did it. She pulled the butcher knife out of the, of the kitchen. She stabbed him in the kitchen. She drug his body and she wrapped it in sheets and then she dumped it in the dumpster, right? You already got it solved, right? And so if you're that way, you would love apologetics, you would love apologetics because what it does, it builds the case for the truth. It built, and it shows the facts for it being accurate. And so 
I'm not an expert in apologetics, um, so the majority of our content today is stuff that I have gathered from other people who are experts, and I'm going to relay that message to you today. And if you want to go a little deeper into apologetics, if that's your thing, then I encourage you to look up two individuals, Josh McDowell and his son, Sean McDowell. They've written several books on apologetics, uh, but their main one that they co-wrote together is called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Evidence that demands a verdict. So if you're someone who really likes to go deep into proving why this is true, and we're, we're going to prove it today, but if you really want to go deep, then check out those guys, and they, they will help you with that. All right, are you ready today? Yeah. All right, six reasons why the Bible can be trusted. Six reasons. I love all the notepads turning. Six reasons why the Bible can be trusted. Number one, it is historically accurate. It is historically Accurate. Some say there's a lot of great principles, but I'm not sure about all the stories. Did they really happen where they said they would happen? I mean, I don't know about this guy Jonah. Like, can a whale really swallow a man and he lives in the belly for three days and then the whale spits him up on the shore of Nineveh and he preaches the salvation message to thousands of people that get saved? Can that really happen? Can, can a man really walk on water? Can can God really talk through a burning bush like he did with Moses? Can the dead really be raised? Can can fish and loaves be multiplied to feed thousands of people? How can this be true? Psalms 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and what? It's true. He is faithful in all he does. So it's all true. How do we know it? Well, historians will tell you for something to be historically accurate, it has to go through three tests. For something to be historically accurate, it has to go through three tests. Number one is the eyewitness accounts. The eyewitness accounts. For something to be true, let's, let's look at the eyewitness. Were there people that were there when this was written? And we can answer that with a confident, yes, the Gospels. For example, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were there during Jesus' earthly ministry. They wrote about it, right? Moses wrote about his experiences leading the children of Israel, pastoring the children of Israel. Joshua wrote about them. And so we know that there are eyewitness accounts, okay? That's the first test. The second test is, has it been recorded and copied with extreme care? That's important, right? to know that that these documents have been recorded and copied with extreme care. Now, one thing that you want to know about the Jewish people is they were scribes, and they were very meticulous. So every detail of their writing meant something. The characters really spoke loud, and they they had their um, writings and language down, and they were very precise on it. And so we know that, that the Bible was written by these Jewish scribes, okay? So that's the second test. The third test is archaeological confirmation, meaning the places that we see in this Bible, are they still there today? Do they still exist? And can we find evidence there that it still exists, right? So you can go to those places. I've been to Israel. I've been to Israel. I've been to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus was on the boat, okay? I, we, we took a boat out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee and had a beautiful worship service. And I can tell you I've never experienced God like I did in the middle of that boat in the Sea of Galilee, knowing that Jesus taught in a boat in the Sea of Galilee. 
Amen? I've been to the Dead Sea. I've been to Jerusalem. I have, I have seen all these places that are talked about. I went and walked in the garden tomb, the very tomb that they say they put Jesus in. I walked in that tomb. You know what I found? Absolutely nothing. I'm here to report to you, this is not fake news. This is real news. He ain't there. He ain't there. He, don't, he borrowed it. He just needed to borrow it for a few days, and then he was resurrected. So we, can, we know that these places exist. We also, when we were there, we went to Capernaum, which is a, a major town mentioned in the Bible. Jesus would go there and preach, and they were excavating a building there. It was halfway out of the ground, and they were, they were excavating it, and we seen that with our eyes. And, and so the Bible just comes alive when you go to these places, and so we know that it is historically accurate, number one. We're proving why the Bible can be trusted. Number two is this. It is prophetically accurate. It is prophetically accurate. There are more than 1,000 prophecies in the Bible and over 300 about Jesus alone. Okay? Now, if you're new to the church world, biblical prophecy is simply a prediction of what is to come, a foretelling before it happens. Are you with me so far? So there were prophetic scriptures written in the Old and New Testament. Many in the Old Testament, which was anywhere from 700 to 1,000 years before Christ was even on the scene, they were writing these prophecies out about the coming Messiah. And they would write things like where he would be born and where he would live, to whom he would be born to. They would write details such as on Palm Sunday, he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. The very animal that he would ride on is what they prophesied over a thousand years before he was even born. Are you with me so far? Okay. I mean, David in the, New, in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, would prophesy the crucifixion of Jesus before crucifixion was even a thing. Before they were using that type of punishment in those days, David would prophesy it, okay? So to show you a, a biblical prophecy, I'm going to go to Isaiah's book. He was a major prophet. There were minor and major prophets in the Old Testament. And he wrote Isaiah 53, which I encourage you on your own time. That's your homework. Read Isaiah 53. It's all prophecy about the soon coming Christ. And it was written... 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years, this scripture right here was written before Jesus was born. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. We can just thank God right there. Man, if you're ever discouraged, if you ever wondered, does God love me? Read that scripture. He took it all, your iniquity, your transgressions, your sin, your sickness. He goes on to say, and by his stripes or wounds, we are what? That's why we claim healing over your body. That's why you have a covenant when you take that communion every Sunday. You're not just taking the bread and the juice, oh, let me just do it out of a religious act. No, you're doing it because you have a covenant with God. Sickness and disease cannot stay in your body. COVID-19 cannot stay in your body. It has to go back to hell where it came from. And see, if you don't know your rights as believers and you don't know what the word says, you can't apply that word to your life. Okay? All right, I'm getting off track, but this, I'm excited about this message. Can you tell? 
I am fired up. So Isaiah would prophesy 700 years before. So we have prophetic accuracy here. 2 Peter 1.21, for prophecy never had its origin in, in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I believe this. It takes more faith to believe the prophecies of the Bible are coincidence than to believe God planned them. Huh? It, it takes more faith to believe, ah, it just happened. Right? Than to believe that God orchestrated this book, that God wrote a book. Jesus said this in Matthew 26, 56. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. So we see Jesus backs the prophets of the old. Okay? So number one, we're building the case. Why can we trust this book? How can we know that it's true? Is it still relevant today as it was then? Number one, it is historically accurate. Number two, it is prophetically accurate. And number three, it is thematically unified. It is thematically unified. It wasn't written by one person, but 40 different people over a period of 1,600 years, which means they couldn't collaborate. Are you with me? They didn't live in the same place. They were from 12 different nations, the writers, on three different continents, and it was written in three different languages that we know of from people of all walks of life. The Bible was written by farmers and kings and soldiers and shepherds and princes and priests and historians and fishermen and tax collectors and scholars and businessmen, and they wrote it in caves and ships and palaces and prisons and deserts. You couldn't get a more diverse group than this, yet there was one unified message without contradiction. Are you hearing me, church? This should excite us. This should excite us. And Luke said this in Luke 24, 27, and beginning with Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said. He who? Jesus. Explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. He's saying, hey, guys, this whole book, guess what? It's about me. He said, Jesus, the only one that can say, it's all about me. You try to do that. Some of you tried to do that yesterday. It's all about me. It's what I want to do today. It's where I want to eat today. Come on, somebody. Actually, we did that this week, right? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, so, yeah, let me bring my stories into it. Because if I tell your stories, you'll get offended and leave the church. <laughs> we, were, we were trying to find a place to eat the other day, I think Friday or something. And, and uh, you know, the first spot is uh, go to God's place, you know. Christian chicken, Chick-fil-A. I mean, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, be led. We go there, and <laughs> wouldn't you have it? On a Friday, they're closed. I said, the devil is a liar. I bind you, Satan. So we, we got a prayer chain together, stood outside. No, we didn't do that. <laughs> like, man, pastor, you're really holy, praying that the Chick-fil-A would reopen for you. So we went on to the next place, and then my girls started fighting about where they wanted to eat. And so they did that for about five minutes, and they got a little attitude. And so I looked at my wife, and I said, we're going to go where we want to go because y'all can't get along. Y'all fighting over food, where we're going to eat out. 
we can go home and eat what's in the cupboards, but we're taking you out today. And so we did our thing, and we went and ate where we wanted to eat, and one of them chose not to eat. And here's what I want you to know, church. In this season, pray for me. I am in a house with all women. Well, I have two dogs, and I have a turtle. Where are my guys at with all women in the house? Okay, we're going to have a small group coming up, and it's going to be out on the lake. It's going to be fun. In the middle of the lake, where why we have no cell service out there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I, I didn't get your text message, babe. I don't know. You were gone for six hours. Yeah, I know. We just got caught up. Um, we were catching fish. Jesus said, be fishers of men. Anyway, and, 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 and so, you know, y'all pray for me. Um, I have two dogs, and they are male, and I have a turtle named Henry, and he's a male. But other than that, I'm struggling in the house. My son is gone, and I am officially outnumbered. And let me just tell you, there's a whole lot of emotions in my house right now. Praise God. Let's get back to the word. So Jesus saying the theme, the theme of the entire Bible is me. I'm the star of the story. Jesus is the star. You could see him in every book. Jesus, the Old Testament writers were writing about him. They were writing about him. The Savior is coming. So number three, it's thematically unified. Number four, you ready? You with me so far? It is trusted by Jesus. It's trusted by Jesus himself. The whole book's about him, and it's trusted by him. People say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't really love his word. No, you can't. You can't have one without the other. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, John said. The firstborn of the begotten. The word became flesh. The word, Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus. So you can't love Jesus and not his word. Come on, somebody. So Matthew 5.18, this is what Jesus said. We know that because the words are in red. Come on, somebody. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Everything that this book set out to accomplish will be accomplished. Why? Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Well, I just, I'm just not sure if it's, it's, it's going to happen that way. No, it's going to happen the way he said, not the way we want it to happen, right? Not the way some think it's going to happen. It's going to happen the way he said it was going to happen. Jesus trusted the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Well, I'm just not sure if I can trust. You know, a lot has changed since then. A lot has changed in culture and society and I really don't know if I believe it or not. Listen, friend, if something's going to change, don't let the Bible change to fit you. You change to fit the Bible. I don't think you heard that. Don't let the Bible change to fit you. You change to fit the Bible. Jesus trusted it, and so do I. And listen, if, if you believe what you like in the Bible but don't believe what you don't like, it's not the Bible you trust. It's yourself. Am I preaching? Maybe the 10 o'clock. They, they were fired up today. Maybe y'all didn't get your coffee. You know, there's some things in here that I don't like. Like that, bless those who curse you. Turn the other cheek. I want to punch the other cheek. I know y'all are saved, sanctified with your halo so crooked on your horns you can't even see straight. But pray for your pastor. Because I have a problem with bad drivers. 
And I just want to get it off my chest right now. Am I free in here? Hi, my name is Jacob. Am I in counseling? You guys help me. You guys are therapy for me. And uh, I've been driving in this construction for, for a little bit on 31. And I'm telling you, my prayer life has increased, brother. I'm serious. You're laughing, but I'm serious. Ask my wife. And uh, I'm tempted to take the fuel sticker off my car now. I know some of you came to me, Pastor, I can't put that on my car. <laughs> and I get it. You have some aggression and some road rage that we don't want associated with the church. <laughs> but Pastor's there <laughs> because of the construction. So y'all pray for me, man. I guess this is just pray for pastor sermon today. How many know I'm human too? Yeah, so I'm going to have, when I retire from pastor, and that's not for a long time, I'm going to have a driving school for people who don't know how to drive. <laughs> Ask my wife. See, I already got my first worker. You going to help me? All right. I, I'm going to do it. Some of y'all are going to be in my driving school. I know you got your license, but you can't drive. Get over to the right lane if you're going to go slow. If you're going to speed like me, get in the left lane. Let's go. We got places to go, people to see, lives to change. Trying to drive from Westfield to Kokomo, getting stopped, caught in the traffic. Told one of the officers, you may have to give me a detail to get me from Westfield to Kokomo because of this construction. Dear God, we're getting off the word here, but we're having fun. So, number one, why can't we trust the Bible? Number one, and I hope you're taking notes because some of you are going to need this because there are going to be some friends, some people in your life. Ah, that's not true. Ah, God's not speaking like he used to. That, that's for the old days. That's for the, no, it's not. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for today. Okay? Number one, it's historically accurate. Number two, it's prophetically accurate. Number three, it's thematically unified. Number four, it is trusted by Jesus. And number five, it has survived all attacks. Oh, I'm about to preach like T.D. Jakes. I was just watching him before I came in, so I feel my help coming. The Bible is the most despised, denied, disputed, dissected, debated, and destroyed book ever, yet it still endures over time. It is the best-selling book. It is the number one book read of all time because the Bible has survived all attacks. They tried to burn the Bible back in the days. They tried to discredit the Bible, but the Bible still stands today. It still stands today. It's still changing lives because no one has ever been able to stop it. And Paul said this in his days when they were trying to stop the message of the gospel to come into Rome. Paul says, I'm going to let you, Roman church, know that it, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then the Gentile. He said, I'm not ashamed of it. This book works. This this book changes lives. There's power when you read this book and know that God breathes on this book, that God wants to speak to you today and give you daily bread for what you're facing right now. But you got to open the book. You got to hear the book. You got to open it. You got to hear it in order for it to change you. That'd be just like me. I got a membership at the gym and saying, I'm getting physically fit, but I ain't ever going to go. 
And I haven't been for a minute. Pray for me on that too while we're at it. Y'all have really got a prayer list for your pastor this week. Now look at this. Look at this. First Peter. We're wrapping up. One twenty-four. It says, for the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord, what? Doers forever. Listen to this. There was this French philosopher in the late 1600s named Voltaire, and they say he's one of the smartest people to ever live. But he had this quote in the 1600s. He said this, and I quote, within 100 years, the Bible will be forgotten. The only thing that's been forgotten is this quote, because you never heard it. Interesting, when he died, his home became the headquarters for the French Bible Society. <laughs> God's got a sense of humor. If you don't believe that, God's got a, a guy who didn't believe in God, believe in his word. The Bible society is built right in his home. And here's what I believe today. I think everyone needs to decide what's going to be the final authority in my life. Is it the word of the world? What am I going to line myself up with? Am I going to build my life on the word or am I going to build my life on the world system and the world's culture? Because there's going to be times I don't like this and there's going to be times I don't agree with it. But I'm going to choose to say you're right and I'm wrong. I'm going to choose to say you're right, God, and I'm wrong. Whether I like it or not. And the world is trending in other directions. The world and the word are diametrically opposed, church. And they can write laws and they can write new legislation, but it does not change this book. And I'm going to scream it as long as there's breath in my lungs. We do not fade from this book. It is not old-fashioned. It is the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I don't stand on current events. I don't stand on current news. I don't stand on what comes out of, of the, the, the legislative houses and the White House and any other house. I stand on what comes out of God's house, the word of God. That's what I'm going to... And you're going to have to make a decision. And it's crazy what's happening in Afghanistan right now. But listen to what I read about the Christian. There is a revival that's been happening. Wherever the U.S. military goes, the word of God increases exponentially. Did you know that? The biggest underground church right now has been in Afghan. More Christians have got saved in the last 20 years than in the history of that nation. Now, these Christians are being persecuted. They're being murdered for their faith. Someone sent me this meme this week. It said, church in Afghanistan, we will gather and likely die. Church in America, we will gather unless there's a cookout, birthday party, or it's a nice day, or there's a chance of rain, or if I'm a little tired or something. In Afghanistan right now, they all have phones. And because they took away all their Bibles, they put the Bible app on their phone. And the Taliban said, we're coming for your Christians. And we're taking your phones. And if we find the Bible app on your phone, you will be hung in front of your family members. And here these people are so excited about the word, so fired up that say, we're willing to die for our faith. And we can't even get out of bed because we got a little headache, because we don't feel like going to church. And these people are being murdered, heads being chopped off, rolling in front of their kids because they don't deny Jesus Christ. But yet we live in a culture, the big C church, where we've made it all about 
fast food. Just get it quick and get out. Pastor, just make me feel good in my sin so I can go out and sin some more. Some of you don't like this. But I'm going to stay to this book. I don't care who's in the White House, Republican, Democrat, I don't care. I'm going to stay to this book because God wrote a book for us. And in the end of the book, guys, there will be persecution. There will be suffering from Christians. What they're seeing there could come to here. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to say, when they say, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you ready? If you say yes for your life on this earth to end and for you to be murdered for your faith because they're ready over there. They must have something we don't have. We're complaining. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too loud. Lights are in my eyes. Coffee's too warm. Coffee's not strong enough. Coffee needs to be lighter. We need different creamer for the coffee. Don't like the color of the church anymore. Don't like the outside. Don't like it. Don't like this. Don't like that. Here we are fighting over trivial things, and they're, they're fighting just to lead their family to Jesus one more day. Are you hearing me, church? And the last point why you can trust the gospel is because it has transforming power. It's changing lives. Just think, a, a, a predominantly Muslim country, they are turning from that to Christianity. It's changing their life. They're going from a religion to a relationship. And the devil hates it so much that he says, I'm going to kill you for it. It's transforming lives. And I've said this many times. Give us a year of your life. Give us one year. Go all in. Give your life to God. Get baptized. Go through next steps. Get on the team. Get in a group. Fellowship with people outside of Sunday. Get involved in outreach. Get involved in our church. And I guarantee your life will never be the same. Because this book transforms lives. Because this book is all about Jesus, and Jesus changes everything. When you come to Jesus and say, here's my life. Have it. I'm all in. I've tried all the world's ways. Now I'm going to the Word. I'm going to build my life on this. Someone say, Pastor, you seem fired up. I am. I'm fired up. We have a mission. And here you can't even pass one of these out to invite someone. When your chance of them getting saved goes up dramatically. Come on. We, we've, we've made it. We've made it just, I don't even know. John 8, 31. Look what Jesus said. If you hold on to my teachings and you're, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What sets you free? What sets you free? Dealing with anxiety? What sets you free? Dealing with worry right now? What sets you free? Dealing with this spike of the virus again, you're worried, is my family going to get it? What sets you free? What sets you free? When finances aren't lining up, what sets you free? But we got to get the truth in us in order for it to set us free. You can hear it all day long, but until you apply it, it does not have no power to set you free. But when you apply this, it transforms your life. Take a year, grab a hold of it, dive deep into it, and apply the word, because the word works for those who work the word. I'm not out of word right now, but I am out of time according to that clock right there. I'm five minutes and 13 seconds over. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you. You're speaking to us through your word in this series. We are so grateful. 
we are so grateful that we have a book that we can lean into, that we can allow to mold us, shape us, cut out the things that creep in because we live in this sinful world and we're human, that your word can do spiritual surgery on our hearts and our minds, that God, we don't have to live in torment We don't have to live in constant stress and anxiety that we can lean in to your word. We thank you for it. If you're here today and you're far from God, I want to invite you to say a prayer today. Prayer that can transform your life. I firmly believe that. It's the first step in your spiritual journey. You got to know God. See, he knows you, knows you well, and he loves you. You say, I don't, I don't know if I believe that, Jacob. How could a God so holy love me so unholy? Well, he created you, and you're his child. He's been waiting for you to surrender it all to him. He's got a better life. He's got a better plan. He's got a better life. He's got an abundant life, a full life that he wants you to live. He's got a purpose for you, for being on this earth. It's not just a clock in and clock out. He's got a bigger purpose than that. He's got a gift and a talent and an anointing inside of you that he wants you to discover so you could use it for his kingdom, so you can make heaven a bigger place. So if you're here today, you say, Jacob, that's me. I need to know God. I'm, I'm far from him. I got things in my life that I'm not pleased of. I made decisions that I'm not pleased. Today's your day of salvation. Maybe you're here and you used to follow him, but you fell away for one reason or another. I want you to know today, God loves you. He's for you. I want you to know that today. He's not far from you. You may feel like he is. He's not far. He is not far from you. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and we're not here to embarrass anybody. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front, but before we pray with you, I just want to see who I'm talking to today. If, if you say, Jacob, that's me. I need God. I need, I need hope. I need some peace. I need Jesus. I need that relationship in my life. I'm struggling right now. I want to surrender it all to him. I just want you to lift your hand so I can see who you are. You say, I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to Christ for the first time, or I'm ready to rededicate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys, in the back. I see all those hands. Thank you up front. I see your hands. Anyone else want to be included? I see your hand over there, sir. Thank you. I see your hand there, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you here in the middle. I see your hand, ma'am. Awesome. So many hands up. So many hands up. Anybody else? I want to make sure. It's great. Great. Let's pray, church. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I believe you died upon the cross for my sins. I repent of those sins. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Somebody put your hands together. Rejoice. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You could take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.